This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley and this is like the good old days. I might not be quite in the same room, but I'm in the same city and I can see you through the glass, David Cameron yes. Walker. Good to have you back this down is, here. This is kind of, I've forgotten what this feels like. They're Hot, not, I yeah, imagine. They've, yeah. not, they've not changed the aircon since. Yeah. Um, it is an absolute sauna in here. Anyway, great to be on. I'm back in London. What have I missed? What have you missed? What, a lot, actually. Yeah, there's been quite there's been a lot of happening on. in the Football League, isn't there? In fact, we've, it's been so long since we've done a show that the, the entire Football League's rebranded. Yes. <laughs> it's it's yes. called something else. And yeah. we will discuss that a little bit later on. Uh, various managers have come and gone. Chris Ramsey at QPR. Yep, gone. He's, he's gone. Chris Powell at Huddersfield. How long did we think that was good? I mean, honestly, Neil Warnock turns up as your executive <laughs> first team consultant. Yeah. Ramsey gets sacked a week later and Neil, well, I didn't, you know, I was going to just coming in to help. But, you know, well, if you're right, you know, well, Chris, I must. <laughs> Chris Powell's uh, gone as well at Huddersfield. Yep. They've got, I've gone the German route. David Wagner. David Wagner is correct. Uh, Richard Money gone at Cambridge. Russ Wilcox gone at York. That Northampton court case. Held, They're hanging on. Held off and postponed. Yep. Hanging on. And the most important important thing of all your 30th birthday how did it go everyone wants to know it went very well it, it was good wasn't it yeah well as we know my actual 30th birthday today was spent <laughs> oh, in yeah. this in this studio I wasn't it when the we party. did one of our last episodes but the party, the party was good we had a little football tournament in the day yes uh, I didn't win no my team came fifth out of sixth um, no change there yeah and I heard you had a particularly poor night at the uh, the quiz as well the big um, what was it, oh, football, football manager, manager quiz. quiz it was a yeah. disaster and we usually do quite well, but okay, we were like 22nd out of 30. That's poor. Really poor. Um, we should... Um, there are no Football League questions, that's why. Yeah, yeah. we should um, pass on our best wishes to Phil Gartside, the Bolton chairman, yes. uh, who was announced uh, yesterday as we record this on Tuesday, is in a critical condition, uh, very seriously ill. Uh, the club's up for sale and, yeah, they've brought in, uh, I think it's Birch, I've forgotten the first name, Mr Birch. Trevor. Is, Trevor, that's it. Trevor Birch is coming in to oversee uh, things off the field and... Um, speak to investors who want to invest in the club maybe there will be a new owner well it looks like the Macron Stadium it may well be comprised of a consortium yes headed up by former Bolton and Wimbledon striker Dean Holdsworth yes and involving in some way shape or form although I'm not sure financially but certainly involving perhaps as part of the deal to maybe fight at the Macron Amir Khan <laughs> I was reading Bolton this fan, today. local hero oh, well I watched that one with Sp- um Keenly watch this space. Well, they're in trouble. They've got £173 million pounds in debt, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's not, not so the best, So it's not it? a good situation at the moment at all. They obviously need they need some progress. They do. So um, later on, we will discuss the rebranding of the Football League to the English Football League, um, and in particular, that new logo. Um, so that's going to come up later. Also, we're going to speak Nothing to... quite gets people annoyed more than a logo no. change, does it? No. Our thoughts on the logo later. Uh, also, we're going to be speaking to John Norman, who is usually, by day, talk sports cricket correspondent. Mm. Um, but There'll be no cricket on this show. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I love my cricket. Anyway, um, he's going to come on to talk about, not about England's one-day series against Pakistan, um, but about Fulham, because Fulham are his team. Uh, he's a regular down at Craven Cottage. Get a fan's perspective on what's been going on there. The departure recently of Kit Simons there. On the verge, we think of appointing a new manager. We'll discuss the candidates and that a little bit later. But first, we're going to start at Ewood Park. Uh, because Blackburn Rovers, I think it's, what, seven managers in seven years now after the departure of Gary Bowyer, who I think I said at the start of the season, I've heard an interview with him on Five Live at the start of the season, came across brilliantly. Mm. Oh, he's got a lot of time for him, but he's I think just he leaves not, with his head held high, yeah, it's to just be honest. not quite worked so far this season. Only three wins for Rovers, and him and his coaching staff, Terry McPhillips, Craig Short, Tony Grant, John Keeley, all released by the club. He'd been in charge since May 
2013. And the new man there is the former Norwich and Aston Villa manager Paul Lambert, who's taken over at Blackburn and a little bit earlier on to discuss this and the whole situation at the club. We spoke to Paul Wheelock, who is the Rovers reporter for the Lancashire Telegraph. And I started by asking Paul what he made of the decision to bring in Paul Lambert. I think it's a good appointment. Uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of good managers out there available at the moment. And I think Paul Lambert's right at the top of that list of those good managers. Uh, you know, he led Norwich to back-to-back promotions from League One to the Premier League. So he's shown he can do it at, in, at the championship level. Uh, the jobs he did previous to Norwich were for Wick, Wickham and, and Colchester and they didn't want him to leave. And even at Aston Villa, I know by the end, you know, it was a disappointing end to his, his spell there. But in his first two seasons, he did well. Uh, and you know he got a new contract, so yeah, I think it's a bit of a coup for Blackburn. This. What was the reaction from, from the majority of the fan base when Gary Bowyer was finally relieved of his of his duties? Uh, it was it was a bit of a mixture, really. I think there was there was sadness there because Gary uh, did a really really good job, uh, yeah, and it was a really tough job he had. You know, when he came into the club on a permanent basis in May 2013 the club was a bit of a circus and he, he got it quietened down he stabilised it and, and in the first season only missed out on the playoffs by a couple of points uh, the second season was a bit, bit bit of an underachievement because they finished I think it was nine points away from the playoffs even though they had Jordan Rhodes and Rudy Gestead but by that stage the embargo had come into play uh, and, and and then this season, I think everyone accepted it was going to be a struggle, but I didn't think people expected it to be as, as much of a struggle in terms of results. So there, there may have been people thinking it was the right time, but even when he went, there was a, there was a lot of gratitude for what he'd done. Yeah, I think he, he he very much had given Paul Lambert and the new you know the new team a, a good solid foundation to build on, and I think there should be reason for optimism now, really. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's no question in my mind that. Rovers are in a stronger position, certainly on the footballing side of things, uh, now than when Gary first came in on on a permanent basis. Uh, probably you, you look at the position in the table and you go, oh, "How is that so?" But he's he's got a good group of players. He's left a good group of players behind, the good characters, and they've actually performed a bit better than the than the table suggests this season. But obviously, it's all about actually getting the wins on the board. Uh, and, and and whereas when Gary took over the club, there were a lot of players who were on a really big wage packet who who had no future or didn't really want a future at the club, and, and that's different now. So I think Paul's coming in. It's a tough job, but you know it, it's got fairly solid foundations on the football side. Where are we at at the minute, um, Paul, with the Venkies and all the kind of off-field distractions that there were at a certain point? Is that all calmed down now? Does it feel like a bit more of a stable club? Oh yeah, unquestionably, and I'd say Gary plays a big part in that. You know, in, in stabilising it all, and uh, you know they've they've paid a, they've paid the price for the way the club was run under their watch in the first few years, first two and a half years particularly. Uh, but they're, they're continuing to you know to put the money into the club. Obviously, they've they've had to pay off Gary and his backroom staff, and they've brought in Paul and a really experienced coaching team. And you know there is hope they'll get out of this embargo, and then hopefully Paul will have a bit of money to spend. So you know they're, they're still here. The sticking in it, and, the, and and even though you know the, the rain hasn't hasn't gone as the way I'm sure they would have expected, and certainly the way the fans would have liked it to have gone, this disappointment of Paul has gone down well. Just looking at the sort of squad that Lambert inherits, there there are some good players in there, but really it is all about Jordan Rhodes, still, isn't it? They're very reliant on him for for the goals. For goals, yeah, unquestionably. But Jordan would be the first one to say, you know, he, he doesn't get his chances without the creator and the, the being created for him. And there's, there's players like uh, Ben Marshall and Craig Conway in there, 
They're a good, really good championship wingers. Tom Lawrence has come on loan from Leicester and done really well. I, I can see his future being in the Premier League. And then defensively-wise, I think they've, they've got a lot better this season. I think they've got six clean sheets, uh, which is one of the highest amount in the division. It's just that they've not been ruthless enough at times in games. And, and, and that really, there's been too many draws. That was probably one of the biggest problems of, of Gary's tenure, certainly this season. There were just too many draws. And if Paul wants to make any additions to the squad, obviously he's going to have to wait a little bit until that transfer embargo situation is resolved. Are we, are we close to getting some progress with that? Well, Rudy Gestad and, and Josh King and Tom Kearney were either sold or you know they, they received fees for them in the summer. And what we were told and what we were only told about a month ago was that they still needed another sale, uh, I think around five million or just under five million to get out of this embargo definitely in January. But it's since come to light that, or the since claim from the club that they are actually trying to work a way out of it without actually having to sell a player, and, and they're doing that along with the football league. It's not something they're going to spring on the football league. It's something actually they're working with them. If they were to come out of it in January, I'm not sure that Paul Lambert would be able to to spend the money. You don't know, say like Kenny Dalglish enjoyed under Jack Walker, but it would give him a bit of wriggle room, and you know it, that would help the squad if he if he could do that. In terms of Lambert, it's a bit of a strange one. His sort of career over the last few years, he had such a good spell at Norwich, double promotions, got them in the Premier League, went to Villa, and everyone thought he was on the up. And he's had a really really tough few years. You know, are you slightly uh, concerned by the way it went at Villa? And a lot of Villa fans, I notice, have been uh, you know not too complimentary about him since he's left. No, far from concerned, really. You, it just looks a bit of a poison chalice, really. And you, you've got to say, since he's left, I know Tim Sherwood helped, helped him keep them up. But, you know, look where the position they are in the table. And uh, they had a lot of money to spend in the summer. You know, Ben Take, I know a lot of money came from Ben Take for £32.5 million, but Paul Lambert had brought him in for £7 million. So, at that time... He kept them in the in the Premier League for two successive seasons. He was awarded a new contract in his third and final season, but obviously results went against him, and he, he eventually lost his job. Uh, no, I I think if you look on his CV as a whole, I think it's a good appointment, definitely by Blackburn. I think, of course, it didn't end the way he wanted it at Villa, but if, across his career, he's done a good job wherever he's been. I think you, you're potentially getting a better Paul Lambert than you know than the one that started the job at Villa two years ago. It didn't Looks go like a different man at the minute. Didn't, yeah, certainly. Since he's certainly, got rid of the beard, aesthetically speaking, yeah, for sure. But you know, he, he didn't have the best of times there uh, at Villa. But as you say, there's been quite a few managers there who haven't managed to to get it to work. And in in his period of of downtime, really, since he's had a job, he's been to Real Madrid, Munich, Dortmund, all over the place. Uh, to sort of study coaches and taking new methods and stuff, so that bodes well, I think. Yeah, hopefully, you know, he, he, he sounded and looked refreshed at his press conference, his first press conference on Monday. Uh, everything he said has gone down really well with with the Rovers supporters, and yeah, you know, the fact that he's gone out there and expanded his horizons and, and listened to some of the top coaches in the game, I'm sure, I'm sure should bode him bode him well. But yeah, that that was the main thing, you know. He looked really refreshed, and and then by the time at the end of his villa, maybe he wasn't enjoying it. And, and he did say these nine months out of the game are probably the best thing that has happened to him. So, touch wood for for Blackburn, he'll he'll will reap benefits from it. Cracking first fixture as well, Preston away on Saturday. Win there would yeah. be a, a good way to get him get him on side with the fans. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, as I say, this, I'm, I'm really not trying to beat, uh, bang the drum for him here. The fans are completely behind him already. The reaction to that has shown it. They're, they're really happy with his appointment. I think there's, there's 5,500 going to, to Preston on Saturday. Uh, Preston, to be fair to him, are, are really solid. I think they've had six straight clean sheets and for a promoted side, that's brilliant. So it's going to be a hard game, but at the moment there seems to be momentum certainly in the fan base and if you can get that win on, on, on Saturday you could really set them up for, for, for why not a bad few games coming up actually yeah because you've got Sheffield Wednesday the week after at Ewood which is a tricky game they've been playing quite well yeah. this season but then away to Bristol City and then home to Rotherham so you know, certainly the three out of those four games, you'd be looking at them and thinking, you know, if we can win those all of a sudden nine points from, from the four games you're thinking well we, we, all of a sudden it's playoffs are, are right there within the grasp yeah, that well, it, it sounds so cliche, yeah. but you do win three games in this division. It just transform, it can mm. transform your position. That was the thing under Gary this season. It was like one step forward, one step back. You know, did win one, draw one, then lose one, and it, it just didn't build up that momentum. If Paul can do that, I don't think we should expect miracles overnight, really, because you know they are where they are on the table for a reason at the moment. But if he can get a couple of wins. And, and as you say, Sheffield Wednesday be a tough game because they've not lost many lately. But still, at home, you know, your first game in charge, mm, you'd sure. be hoping to get three points. And, and I said a few games after that are, I don't know if it's the right term, but they are winnable, aren't they? One final question. Uh, what about Gary Bowyer? What will he do next? Do you, do you think he could walk into another job in the, in the Championship? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, if you look at his stock uh, nationally, uh, he, he got a very good uh, reaction you know, to, or response to after losing his job from, say, like national journalists, they were saying what a good job they that he did there, because obviously they were covering the club when it was in when it was all over the place. Uh, he, he stabled everything down. He, he managed it well, you know, because it was a very difficult environment to come into. And yeah, I think uh, another club in the championship, maybe not high up the table, maybe he'll have to go lower down the table. But yeah, he's young enough and he's, he's done a good enough job at Blackburn to get another job. I've, I've got no doubt about that. So that was Paul Wheelock, Blackburn Rovers reporter for the Lancashire Telegraph, joining us a little bit earlier on to talk about life under Paul Lambert. We've had a lot of chats about Blackburn weekend. over we the years, haven't we? Uh, that, was, that was one of the more optimistic. I think so, I think yeah. things are gradually getting better there, despite maybe not having a great season so far. And a disappointing season, I think, in the end, last season. You've got to think about where they were three or four years ago, haven't you? Absolutely. Can I just say as well, before we uh, wrap up this little section, the little noise that you might have heard during that interview yeah. was the cleaner. It was a cleaner <laughs> coming in to clean the windows. So I had to sort of communicate via some sort of uh, impromptu sign language that Brilliant. it wasn't perhaps the best time to do so. <laughs> Excellent. Right, OK, so from Blackburn to another team who are looking for a new manager. In fact, well, Blackburn have found a new manager. Fulham haven't yet. And we'll switch our attention to Craven Cottage next. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. So next on We Are Going Up then we're going to talk a bit about um, one West London club who are looking for a new manager not QPR but Fulham Kit Simons relieved of his uh, duties earlier this month and I'm pleased to say we're joined in the studio right now by John Norman Talk Sports very own and a big Fulham fan uh, John thanks for coming on the show first of all give us your reaction uh, to the decision to get rid of Kit Simons first of all what was your 
impression of it? Uh, well, first off, thanks for inviting me on. Well, look, I was at uh, I was at Craven Cottage for the Birmingham game. Birmingham are actually a team that traditionally Fulham have done very well against. Uh, we actually sent them down a few years back in that part of our great escape under Roy Hodgson. Um, and, uh, you know, over the last few years, they're, they're one of the teams that when you play against, you kind of fancy your chances. And Not this season. Well, <laughs> was it, see, this is a problem. You just it, described Fulham, I think, for most teams yeah, recently. Well, yeah. The last three years, for sure. Um, I think if Fulham, at 2-0 down against Reading a few weeks ago, I, I thought that was it. You know, we came back, we scored three goals. Do you know, I, I spoke to a Fulham fan the day after that game. And I said, oh, what a game. You know, what an amazing win. And he went, yeah, but I mean, I'm a bit annoyed actually because he would have been sacked if we didn't come back. I, t- I could <laughs> show you a, a WhatsApp message that I sent to uh, my various family members and friends <laughs> who are on an a FFC chat ring. I felt exactly the same way. It was. Uh, it reminded me of when we beat Brentford last season in the league, uh, sorry, in the uh, cup under Magat. Uh, we beat them and it kind of kept him in the job for a couple of weeks and... Uh, Long term, I'm afraid to say, and, and I know that Kit is a very popular man within the club. There are a lot of people within the club very sad to see him go. There's there's people within the club who feel it was the wrong decision. But from a fan's point of view, um, it was the correct decision to make. Uh, it was the correct decision to give him the job because he started off so well. He stabilised the club. He's done a lot for the club. But was he the man to take us back up to the Premier League? I don't think so, and certainly not now. We veered from one extreme to the other in in a manner I have never seen at any club. And unfortunately, um, the record under his management speaks for itself. We're top scorers, (laughs) but... How many goals? How many goals are you going to concede a game? It was uh, it was crazy times. Alan Kerbishley's there at the minute, looking after things. Um, and there's reports Sky today saying that Nigel Pearson is the club's first choice candidate to uh, replace Kit Simons. Also rumours about Steve Clark. Steve Clark's odds on at the moment from the bookies. Reading, so. who you were mentioning, uh, obviously the game against them a few weeks ago. Have you got a preference out of Pearson or Clark? And what direction would you like to see the club go? with this appointment well as we speak I think Brendan Rodgers is odds on to become the new QPR boss so mm. odds can change very quickly depending on who's actually just popped in for a chat with the, the powers that be but yeah it does seem as though it's between Steve Clark and Nigel Pearson uh, Steve Clark was a man that I would have been keen to have taken the job a year ago so if it is him that uh, takes the reins and fair dues we need somebody who is going to sort out the defence you know you cannot get out the championship without having a good defence unless you're you've got a team a la Fulham 2000-2001 uh, under Jean Tigonard where you've got the likes of Louis Sahar and Louis Beaumorte and Steve Finnan and Steve Malbrank and there is serious money pre-FPP days being pumped into the club you know you've got a manager who can impose a style of football which uh, you know still to this day is, is as good a, a side at that level as I've ever seen you've got to be pragmatic in your approach and I think both Steve Clark and Nigel Pearson would introduce that they've been there done it um, they've got the CV they're the kind of managers that command respect and I think that actually both would be successful if I was to choose one of the two Scott, I'd have, it has I'd, to be Pearson sure. I'd have to go yeah Nigel Pearson because yeah. I mean, you say been, been there done it I mean Pearson has taken a team 
into the Premier League. He, he kept Leicester in the Premier League last season in spectacular fashion with that run towards the end of the season. Uh, left in, in difficult circumstances. If it was just football terms, he would have been there this season, you'd, you'd think. Whereas Steve Clark, he's got a good reputation and he did very well as a coach, uh, working with Mourinho, working uh, at Liverpool, wasn't he, for a bit, at West Ham. Um, but as a manager, he's done okay. But he's not set the world alight. You, you still feel there might be more to come from him. But I think if you're looking for a more of a sure thing, Pearson would be the one. If I was a Fulham fan, who I'd, be, I'd want. I thought Clark did well at West Brom. I mean, there is a sort of train of thought of you know what more could he have done with West Brom, and potentially with this Reading side as well at the minute. But he's doing well at the Pearson's moment. With got Reading, a great yeah. track, track record in the mm. Championship. Yeah, so I, I think he'd be a good appointment. Hugely principled and top guy. That's what. Keezy, Richard Keyes just, <laughs> has just uh, WhatsApp me, and if it's good enough for him, he's good enough for me. I, I'll be happy with Nigel Pearson with, all day. With Pearson, long. yeah, he's got the Richard Key stamp of authority. He has. What more thing he's got the, uh, what the more top, do you need? The top guy, <laughs> seal of approval. Not a top top football man, I, I imagine. <laughs> That's to come. <laughs> yeah, you've got to give yourself room to room for manoeuvre. So just just looking at the the situation at Fulham in terms of the team that's there that the new manager will, will inherit because it's, it's gone through quite a lot of change over the last few years to, very different to that team that was relegated from, from the Premier League and the team thankfully not, not too long before <laughs> that we you know we can remember it wasn't that long ago that Fulham were a comfortable Premier League team you know in Europe uh, and all that and then the, the, final. there was McGat and there was that real overturn of, of players and you know Kit had to sort of pick up the pieces but what what's there now what What's there now that provides you hope? I mean, some, I suppose Dembele would be the, the big player at the moment who the fans will, will be latching on to as you know, the big hope. But then you've got to try and hold on to them, haven't you? Well, look, this is a problem. There's such jeopardy attached to our club. And this is one of the reasons why the decision's been made. You know, Fulham are never going to be a... Uh, well, we were punching above our weight thanks to our fired's money for a long time. Okay, and uh, we're in a much better position now than we were when our fire took over. And under Shai Khan, um, you know, the money maybe isn't as uh, hasn't been put in as much as we saw, certainly at the start of our fire's reign. But if we don't go up this season, then we're just going to be another championship club. You know, when you look at Crystal Palace, they were outside of the top flight for a decade. Look at Ipswich, they've been out of the top flight for a decade. Traditionally, two clubs that are bigger than Fulham. So while we have the Premier League parachute payments of last season, this season, we have to make it count. And while we've got Moussa Dembele in the side and his contract is up at the end of the season, we've got to make it count. And that's kind of the reason why there wasn't more patience afforded to Kit Simons. It's, it's now or never. In answer to your question, Fulham have got some top quality forward players, experienced campaigners like Ross McCormack, who many pillory for the supposed £11 million spent on him actually was nowhere near that amount and he scored goals he scores goals he sets up goals and he's a team man he's a and he, he captains aside he is the kind of player you want in your team okay so you've got him you've got Moussa Dembele 19 years old um, and as exciting a talent as at that age um, as I've seen for, for quite a while and will surely move on to bigger and and better things. The hope is that he sticks around at, at Fulham, learns his trade for a couple of years before he moves on. Um, you've got Tom Kearney, signed from Blackburn. There is a direct correlation between our improved performances and results when he is in the side and when he is out of the side. Um, but then it starts to fall down somewhat. Suddenly then you start looking at maybe uh, 
an identical kit, quite lightweight midfield, uh, the likes of Christensen and Kachinich Klitsch, Pringle. You know, these kind of players on their day look good, but tend to go missing. And as you move back then, that's when the problems start to come. Bettelini, who did really well, is out injured for the season. Um, we're on our third string keeper. We've got a new defensive lineup at the back which has suffered injuries pretty much all season. But for me, the big problem is that defensive midfielder in front of the, the the back four. You know, when we don't have the ball, who goes and gets it? Linking defence to attack and stemming the tide when other teams are bombing forward. Because in a team with very little in the way of pace, what teams have done to us have been quite happy to sit back and then hit us on the counter. And we don't seem to really have an answer for that. We've got uh, in Stearman and Ream another new centre-back pairing uh, which has been mucked about because of loss of fullbacks. and there's no and this is where the, the crux of the main frustration with Kit Simons came in at no point did our defensive fra- fragilities or frailties appear to be addressed and he changed the personnel but the results were exactly the same we conceded five against Birmingham we conceded two in the last 10 minutes against uh, Charlton. We conceded three against Wolves. We conceded goals wherever you looked against teams that hadn't scored very much and weren't even in the top half of the table. And this has been a constant theme throughout this season and last. And ultimately, that's what cost him. Just uh, going back to Shai Khan, I'd be interested to know your, your take on, on his sort of reign at the club. Obviously, under Al Fayed, he had years of un, unprecedented success for Fulham in, in the modern era. And that means that there's expectation for that level to be reached again and to be sustained over a long period of time. Obviously, it didn't go very well when Chad Khan came in. Relegation, you know where you are. But how confident are you in his leadership that he'll even be around for say as long as as Al Fayed was and that he can get you back to to where you were because I've heard a few sort of theories recently that he might even have his eye on his next move already and that he might want to get involved in Spurs given the NFL links that he has with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the the project that's going to go in in the new White Hart Lane and and do you do you are you convinced that you know he's really up for it at Fulham and that he's committed to this long term no I'm not convinced at all and I'm I question why he's got involved. I mean, he doesn't, uh, again, you know, hearing from and speaking to and uh, and reading behind the scenes, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. I mean, look, Al Fayed's interest waned and dropped off towards the end. Um, he stopped putting money in. He was taking money out, as is his right. I mean, he, he pumped about a quarter of a billion pounds into the club. You know, it, there's very few fans that's, that sing about their chairman like Fulham do. And we still sing about Al Fayed now, even though he's not even there. You know, we love Al Fayed, but his interest did drop. And when Shahid Khan came in with the kind of money that he paid for the club, you can understand why Al Fayed went, yes, thank you very much, I'm, I'm out of here. There's there's plenty of questions about Shai Khan. Look, ultimately, he's like any chairman. He knows the money's in the Premier League. And the balancing act for him is to decide what money do I invest in this side to get them up to the Premier League, fatten them up, and then probably sell them. It's just whether we can do that. And if we don't, well, what then? 
And as for the rest of this season, uh, you know, depending who comes in, what would you like to see between now and the end of this season? Presuming this one's dead already. Well, look, I'm like any Fulham. I'm like any football fan. I still think we can go up. <laughs> I mean, look, you're only you're eight points yeah. away from the playoffs, we, which is a lot, but could be changed, you know, in a relatively short space of time. You're 12. You're you're slap bang in the middle of the, middle of the table, and there is a long, in some senses, you know, we're over a quarter of the way through, but there's a lot of games left. There's there's a lot of games left. We've shown we can score goals. The feeling is that there's money to be spent with a good manager sorting out the defence, which is what most good managers seem to do when they come into a club. A lack of standout team in that league. We should get to the playoffs and we still can. Um, from there, who knows? But there's so much riding on this season because uh, it's only going to get more difficult if we if we don't go up this year. It's an interesting division in, in some senses because you write and say there's no standout team but we talked about this on our, on our last episode that the four teams at the top if you if you discount Brighton for a second Hull, Burnley, Middlesbrough and Derby you, you'd have to say if you're a betting man and I am you know as, as we all know not a very good one though um, they're going to be in the playoffs barring a disaster of Derby proportions last season Brighton have started really well can they hold on to it? They're, they're eking out 1-0 victories here, there and everywhere. Yeah, they, but they always win by one goal. Yeah. They're doing just enough. Houghton's doing a good job, but they're unexciting. But can they hold on? Possibly. Birmingham, again, probably exceeding expectations. Are they going to hold on? So you, you're possibly looking at maybe two, maybe one playoff spot that's going to be up for grabs for a team like Fulham. It's going to be a bum fight to get into those maybe those last one or two playoff spots. So it could be Fulham, but it could be it could be Ipswich, it could be Sheffield Wednesday, Reading, Cardiff, you know, Brentford, QPR if they get the right if they get the right appointment next. And, you know, Wolves are certainly expected to be a lot higher than they are at the moment. So you've got to keep the faith but of course it's going to be so the margins are so fine that you could just as easily go up or just as easily finish 15th. I think it Going back to what I said a second ago, if you're scoring goals, you've always got a chance. If you're creating chances, um, and if you've got money to spend, and if you've got an experienced manager, it's going to be tough. And if I was a betting man, and I'm not, I wouldn't bet on Fulham going up this season. I think that's fair enough. John, thank you very much for joining us. John Norman from TalkSport, big Fulham fan. And next, we're going to be talking about the all-new, what is it, the EFL EFL. The English Football League will discuss, we'll discuss next. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Right then. So, the English Football League is going to be what the Football League is called from the start of next season. Mm. I'm quite sure Nor- um, uh, Newport and Cardiff fans are too happy about that decision. Um, the governing body is undergoing a comprehensive corporate and competition rebranding. Um, only the fourth logo it's had in 127 years. That's incredible, that's that. And yeah, like we said earlier, it has got people a little bit riled up, the logo in particular. Um, my favourite description of it was looking like washing powder. What do you make of this decision to There's re-brand? lots of things we could pull pull out of this. Um, first of all, I'd, I'd point you in the direction. I tweeted about this the other day, but we'll do it from the Wagyu account. Chris Errington. Chris Errington, yeah, who we spoke to ahead uh, of the Plymouth, uh, Notts County Plymouth match, did a really good piece uh, for his paper uh, about this. And I think he absolutely hit the nail on the head. Sometimes... And this is the same sort of thing with issue when you talk about uh, stadium names changing and stuff. The Football League is still the Football League. Whether it's called the English Football League, the 
Coca-Cola British Football League League or whatever you call it it's the Football League we know what it is we're going to call it whatever we want and it is what it is but sometimes they just strike the wrong tone and you hear this all this kind of stuff from Sean Harvey saying that the new EFL name rightly emphasises the central role our clubs play at the heart of English professional football but I mean does it I mean they already play they already play they're already there (laughs) this EFL doesn't change anything and in an increasingly challenging global sports market it's absolutely essential that sports properties can project a modern identity that not only resonates with their regular audience but is also easily recognisable to a broader audience of potential fans, viewers and commercial partners. One word for you. Hashtag FL72. And, you know, on the one hand, and this is what Chris was talking about, on the one hand they like to sort of trumpet their... um, Heritage and rightly so as being one of the old, the oldest professional football league around. And on the other hand, they're talking about needing to be modern and and rebrand and this whole EFL thing is trying to be like the EPL and the NFL. And I just, I just, I don't think it, need, it needs it to be honest. I think it's it's, it's quite ill thought out. If I'm honest, I share those thoughts. Although I did enjoy someone that tweeted, "You're all getting get upset about a division which used to be called the Coca-Cola Championship." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which so it's had its fair share of responses. But the Championship League One and League Two are still going to be yeah. there. That's, well, like that's Chris saying, his thing. thing. It's like, oh, is Division One the old Division Two, or is it the Championship, or is it you know? It's all a bit. Well, confusing. They, they seem to have spoke to a lot of people about this. You know, yeah, a thorough consultation. Well, I mean, anything but, I suppose that you know, next season if it does make a. I mean, is it going to make a global impact? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, maybe think they, so. Maybe they think. And, but, maybe you think the, the Yanks are going to be tuning in to watch, it, you know, Cambridge against whoever. Yeah, well, I don't know, but I think they say they saw about this modern thing. Oh, it's important to be modern. It's essential that we've got to project a modern identity. Is it, or do, do, are we not in an age where heritage and tradition and nostalgia are increasingly a very important and rarefied commodity? You know, we've got we've got access to everything these days, and yeah. it's you know so so. You know, and the, the it's kind of this mad social media world that we live in. So, like, I think a lot of brands that you see out there are emphasising the, you know, this kind of the heritage and the fact that we've been here for so long and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, don't, don't, absolutely, well, the football do league not did it ever lose sight of that. Years ago. Yeah, and they did the whole 125th anniversary. Went massive on it. One thing that made me laugh about the uh, the statement. So you've got the uh, the new logo, just the fourth in the 127 year history of the world's original league football competition. Yep. Yeah, uh, nice each each club will be presented with its own bespoke version in its individual playing colours ahead of the new season for it to retain in perpetuity. What the logo? Yeah. What like on a piece of card or something? So you, we're giving you your own version of the logo that you can retain in perpetuity and, and presumably until the next time that you change <laughs> yeah. the logo. Ridiculous. So um, that comes into play at the start of next season. Yeah. Your thoughts, please. We did mention social but does media. It ma- that's the thing. On the one podcast. hand, does it matter? Does it actually matter? Does it actually matter? You, the Do fans, we care? Do you care? Tell us. Let us know. You can get in touch on Twitter at WAGU Podcast or you can post on the Facebook page or go via the website and email us wearegoingup.co.uk. So, is there anything else uh, from a sort of state of play angle that we need to look at? Uh, it's been a while since the last show. We've already mentioned the top of the championship. That's pretty much as expected. Lots of managerial changes. Anything caught your eye in particular? Uh, yeah, you mentioned Huddersfield's new manager. He's been in the job for a few weeks now. He watched the match is it against Leeds. I think he was in the stands yes. for the match against Leeds, but they, they lost and been in charge since. Um, I was uh, speaking to European football guru... Andy Clang. Brassel. Clang. Uh, yeah. Um, Is that a name drop? Try it. Well, yeah, it's for, for a reason. Cameron Walker. You know, I need to, I'm verifying the quality of the information that I'm about to give you about kind of if you knew anything about them. 
a lot of people have, have sort of were saying that it was Klopp's assistant mm. uh, at Dortmund. He wasn't. He wasn't Klopp's assistant. He was actually the coach of the under twenty three team, right, uh, in Dortmund, which is more of a thing than it is over here. But very much has a, a similar philosophy to Klopp. So quite intense, high pressing football that requires the players to be very fit. So the Huddersfield players might be in for some hmm. for for a bit of a surprise in training over the coming months. Um, but he follows in a long sort of line of. Coaches under twenty three level in Germany appears to be something of a proving ground for managers that go, then go on to take control of first teams and, and do and do quite well. It's happened quite a lot recently in, in the Bundesliga. So uh, I think as a Huddersfield fan, you've got to be quite optimistic. I mean, as we we all we all like Chris Powell, and we all trot out the line that he's one of the nicest guys in football, which he absolutely is in my experience. But there might be mitigating circumstances in terms of players being, you know, best players being sold and not not having enough money to rebuild the squad, etc. But looking at cold hard results on on paper, didn't take the club forward, didn't do a very good job, really, in in one sense. So this is an exciting appointment. It's not one of the same old names off the merry-go-round, is it? So. I will look at uh, developments at Huddersfield with interest from now on. Mm. Uh, League One, Gillingham, top of the table, uh, but it's down the bottom that it's quite interesting. Lee Johnson at Barnsley. He needs a win, doesn't he, badly? I think oh, it's God. the worst run in their history or something. Yeah, eight stupid. games in a row? Yeah. they um, Apparently, they absolutely battered Port Vale, though, at the weekend. All right. And they just... You know, again, as such as your luck when you're in a particular, yeah. when you're in a run like that, they they couldn't do it. They went two 0 down, pulled one back, but they, you know, they they cannot get a win for love nor money at the moment. Um, um, and I mean, don't take the FA Cup by altering him as well. Yeah, I mean, he can't be long really for the job if mm. that carries on. There's not many managers that get to lose eight games in a row and keep their job. So I think he desperately needs a win in, in yeah. the next game. Uh, Wigan, ten games unbeaten in the league, they're up to fifth. They're finding their feet now. Mm. Only four points off the top. I expect them to go on and get promoted. Uh, but we managed somehow managed to beat them 4-0 in the FA Cup he did which has set up a beautiful second round tie live on BT Sport Sunday December the 6th at midday Rochdale against Bury. tune in or miss out simple as that uh, League 2 let's have a quick look at that before uh, we leave you uh, if my page refreshes I've got to say this is comfortably the hottest radio studio I've ever been in in my entire <laughs> life why isn't this League 2 what's going on in League 2 Dave uh, League 2 well Plymouth are still flying high yeah, five points clear at the top now. And did you hear the story of the keeper, James Bittner? So he was a, the reserve keeper for, for Plymouth. Uh, McCormack got injured. Uh, so he made his first start in the Football League. I think it's 4,991 <laughs> days after he made his last appearance, which was a substitute. So he's never made a start in the Football League. And he's, I think he's sort of in his early 30s now. But he's just been at a succession of clubs. Non, he's played a lot of games in non-league as well, but he's never made a Football League uh, start in a 16-year career. That is incredible. quite amazing, really. And fair play to him for holding out for so long. Down at the bottom, bottom four teams looking pretty much as we predicted, I think. Dagenham, Yeovil, York and Newport. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevenage and Hartlepool. Stevenage both that. Caught a bit of Leighton Orient on telly on Sunday. Good win for, you make uh, of it? for Hartlepool. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I was sort of the watching it. quite interesting, though. But... Top of this league, save for Plymouth, who are a few points ahead, but Oxford, Northampton, Portsmouth and Accrington. I don't think anyone expected Accrington no. to be flying this high. That's John Coleman, isn't it? Back, of the back season. where he does things. And Mansfield as well. They're, they're having a very good season. They are. And um, Northampton to be third, sitting in the automatic promotion slots, given the troubles, you know, players yeah. not being paid and you know seemingly 
days away from administration and going out of business, as we as we learned last week, uh, is testament really to the job that Chris Wilder's doing. It was classic um, classic football league on Sunday though that they had two football league games in a row on Sky and off air we were just talking about these ten in ten days they're doing over Christmas. Mm. Um, you know, Sunday afternoon, perfect chance to showcase the Football League. Portsmouth nil, AFC Wimbledon nil. Always the way. Um, right, should we wrap it up there then? Mm. You're, you're shooting off to play football, I know that. I'm yep. shooting off to catch my train back to Manchester. Um, if you would like to contact You're going to make this a weekly thing then? You're going to get a train every Wednesday, come down? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a weekly thing. Okay. Um, we do apologise for sort of... Maybe if people download some audio books yes from Audible oh, you could afford it beautiful segue uh, audible.co.uk slash going up is uh, a reminder you need to download a lot of audio books really <laughs> based on current train prices I haven't said that my train was delayed by 40 minutes today and I came down early and because, because of that because I got an advanced ticket I get a, half a refund or something yeah. so it's worked out perfect uh, audible.co.uk slash going up is where you can find free audio books download them to your heart's content also the Facebook Instagram are still there uh, they might not be much used but they're still there at the minute facebook.com slash waggy podcast and instagram and the twitter as well the website's we are going up.co.uk and if you want to win 200 quid worth of amazon vouchers perfect for christmas i just got my sister some amazon vouchers for her birthday actually uh, podcast-com no not, not 30 <laughs> quids worth which i think was fair enough um right that is pretty much it uh thanks Say that for website listening. address again i think i ruined it there Come on. podcast-survey.com Okay. Works on mobiles. It's still with ACAST who hosts us. So right. go there, fill in the form. You can win some votes. Can I win? And you can help us out. I don't see why not, mate. Good. Don't see why not. Um, right, that is it. We'll be back uh, next week. I'm not quite sure what the plan is, uh, but certainly a lot quicker than the last show. We'll say that. That's it. Thanks for listening to We Are Going Up. We'll speak to you next time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Oh!